This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Well, it's 10, 11, 20 in the morning in Australia, and I am joined by a heavily, heavily inebriated Manny Riz. Um, <laughs> FA Cup victory, bud. FA Cup victory. And I didn't pick it, and I did pick that I thought that we would lose. Um, um, Trev did threaten to, old man Trev did threaten to get on a plane and fly down here and personally beat me for picking a loss. I've never been, never been happier that I, uh, that I picked a, that, I picked a loss and that we won. In fact, maybe my picking of the loss is what actually caused the win <laughs> in the world of air. Oh, <laughs> uh, bruv, you are, you are so loud in my headphones right now, bro. I need to turn you down. That's what I need to Fucking do. Fucking turn me turn turn down, down then, bro. Yeah, that's about Fucking hell. Um, what was the question? Sorry, bro. I've been like, Nate, I've the, been drinking Nate, since. since oh. I've been drinking since um, the final whistle, bro. And there wasn't um, even wasn't even a question. I didn't even have a question. I, I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, a, I'm 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 genuinely I'm genuinely like I haven't had the same visceral reaction. It, it's it's been a weird mm. feeling for me. The end of that game, the way that it ended, the send off. Uh, how the yeah. life kind of got stripped out of the game, and then the Pedro injury at the end—it kind of flattened what should have been my like, like some like excelling of of emotion. Yeah. Like I got that after the Aubameyang goal, but it, it, was it the same for you? Did it flatten? Did did you feel slightly flat at the end of it? It's taken me kind of ten minutes after the game to swell back up with joy. Man, I just wanted them to carry Pep, Pepe, I was going to say. I wanted them to get Pedro off the fucking pitch as soon as possible, bro. I was screaming at the TV. I was like, he's on the sideline. Just fucking roll him off. Just roll him off. Just get him out of here. You know, it kind of, it killed the buzz. So I, mm. I definitely see what you mean. I'm just like, just get him off the fucking pitch. You know, seven minutes added on, you know what I mean, with uh, with the Pulisic injury, with the Aspilicueta injury and all of that. With the drinks breaks added on to it, I'm like, just, just, you know, just get him off the pitch. You know, we've got 30 seconds left. Just get it done and let, just blow the whistle. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so I got UFC in the background, man. It's the main, it's the main card to UFC. Was it UFC Vegas five? So it's who is it? It's Bobby Green versus Lando Venata, bro. It should be a good one. It's a rematch, you know. So, but yeah. Um, uh, well, let's let okay. Well, let's um, let's go from the let's let's take it from the top. So yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So I need to stop drinking, bro. Without without sort of diving into like boring shit about what the actual lineups were, you know, and and, mm. and going through it and top to bottom. Um, yeah. it ended up not being what I thought it was going to end up. Being. I, I thought that we were going to play a 4-3-3 because I was worried that we were going to mm. get dominated in midfield. I think that yeah. we did end up getting dominated in midfield and not having the extra man in midfield was mm. ended up being really, really difficult for us. 
I think that Mason Mount and Pulisic were absolutely bumming us, in particular, a very, very stagnant, slow Xhaka early on. Um, uh. And the, the, the turning point for me in that game had to be the Pulisic hamstring. I, I really felt that it, it drained them of, of an attacking outlet that they were, they were killing us with. Um, but prior yeah. to that, his goal, his goal, the the uh, the thing about that goal, taking away the negative, not not constraining the negative part of Arsenal, which is where they did just slice through our midfield, walk past Shaka mm. like he wasn't even there. But that little touch from Olivier Giroud on the outside of his boot, back on the inside, it's of what he does. Path, was it was so it's what he does so mint Arsenal Giroud. It's it's you know what Max it's it's. I would have. I thought that you know Mason Mount wasn't going to stay out, right? You know, I thought he was going to come into the midfield and he was going to, you know, make it a free man midfield, and he did. And if you really look at it, if when we were, you know, out of possession, it was a back five. When we were in possession, it was a back four. Mm-hmm. But for the first, for the first, the first twenty minutes was pure rope dope. That that's really what it was. Apart from that Aubameyang chance, which he missed. But the yeah. first 20 minutes was pure rope it up and it was us trying to figure out what Chelsea were all about. And it was Pulisic and it was Mason Mount coming into the midfield and making it a midfield free to kind of catch us out. So what caught us out was that ball from Jorginho into Pulisic, which takes Ceballos and Xhaka out of the game completely. Then you've got Pulisic directly at our, our defence and then he just pops it off to Mason Mount who gets it back into the box. And Giroud does what Giroud does, man. Just, you know, backs heels it. This is, this is what he's been doing. But I felt that, you know, it was Chelsea's tactic to have Pulisic and Mason Mount come in, you know, come in field and make it a midfield free to mm. kind of confuse us. And it was and a, th- they it did was that a well 3v2. for the first 20 minutes. It was a 3v2. It was a 3v2 every time. Yeah. And that every was, time. I don't know if you remember, that was what I was banging on about the whole time when everyone was saying, Five at the back, five at the back. And I was saying it's really passive. Yeah, yeah. It invites pressure on. We'll need the extra man in midfield. And I, I do have yeah. a feeling that that had Saka have been one fitter, I thought it was amazing how many people were talking about on Twitter before that he had to start, he had to start. And I was like, his form line in the yeah. last six weeks has been garbage. He picked up multiple negative points from all of us across the six weeks, not because he was bad, but because he was fucked. He was blowing out of his ass. And I'm not surprised he didn't play in this game. I think that, you know, Arteta's choice to go with experience won us the game, if you really think about it. Having, you know, Saka in there. Maitland-Niles is an experience. He's played in, 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 you know, he's played in the Europa League final. He's played in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. So... A lot more experience. I think not playing too many youngsters. I know people wanted to see Saka, but understand where we were in the game. Understand that Maitland-Niles was put there for a reason. Maitland-Niles was put there, and you saw it in the first few minutes, because Aspilicueta is is not the defender he was. And Aspilicueta was not going to follow Maitland-Niles, you know, going backwards. And us getting balls in behind Aspilicueta was going to be pivotal. Maitland-Niles is a natural athlete, and not only is he our best, you know, 1v1 defender, but Saka was, you know, he he got in a, you know, a few kicks. He's not looked as great, you know, and it's a case of he's still 18 years old. He's still got to earn this. So 
what makes you think, you know, just because you've had a great season and, and you've had an, an, an amazing season, but this is a cup final, dude. This is a mm. different kettle of fish. So bringing him into that cup final would have been, you know, a gamble. And it's a gamble that I'm glad Arteta didn't take because the experience told, bruv. And again, it, and again, it, it proves to me something that we've been banging on about throughout this entire season that yeah. the modern modern football has changed and often yeah. athleticism and power end up overriding technicality. And in that instance, right. just the size of Maitland-Niles, the shoulder width of him, the big ass on him, the way that he got up and down, the way he went beyond Aubameyang early on, created chances. Mm. In the first 20 minutes, he, he, he dominated. And then Toby and I were talking. We watched it together live over Zoom. And... Mm. we thought that he had fallen out of the game. And then when we re-questioned it, we thought, no, we think that he's just been told to stop getting so far forward because there was this funny little Mm -hmm. tactical switch because initially I felt that we were in a, we were defending in a five and then attacking in a four. And then it was pushing Maitland Niles inside into the left of a three where he would, where he would sit in the midfield Mm-hmm. But then we were getting pinched on the break, and Jacker was—I I don't want to—I don't want to have a, another massive Jacker bashing session. But he's fucking shit. He was a passenger. <laughs> in that he was an absolute <laughs> passenger in that game. He got run. He got run past so constantly. There's a moment where there were there were two Chelsea players just passing balls back and forth, and Jacker was just <laughs> running around in tiny little circles like a hamster in a fucking wheel. Do you know who he reminds me of? He, he kind of reminds me of, you know, the Simpsons where Lisa decides to see whether a hamster is smarter than Bart. I don't know whether Jack yeah. is the hamster or Jacka is Bart, but they're both fucking retarded. I thought he was, I thought that he had, I, I didn't think that he had a terrible game in the <laughs> sense that he made lots and lots of mistakes. I thought that he had yeah. a terrible game in the sense that he was every bit Jacka for the duration. And the only time he ever looks good is when it's played in front of him. If the ball is in front of him, if the game is in front of him, he's capable of managing mm. it. As soon as it's slid behind mm-hmm. him down the channels, he has to accelerate, yep. turn, pivot. He's fucked. In saying that, yep. I thought Sabios was fantastic again. I you think know that's two you know months what? of football for that guy that have just made me say, just I, I would sign him up, but I would pair him with someone who does more work than that fucking slug. <laughs> you know what Sabas was given um I think it was Danny Murphy who was uh who was a, one of the co-commentators on BBC and he gave him man of the match and I wouldn't be mad at that because of because of what he offers us because of you know the fact that he's press resistant the fact that he's willing to drop into the defense and pick up the ball from deep the fact that he's uh the fact that he's got a technical ability which we haven't <laughs> had in midfield right Xhaka mm. is oh, I, oh, I just I just can't be bothered I can't be bothered into going going into why this guy is not good enough for this club because we can see it um what's this in the I, comments? I haven't, we'll have I haven't checked. the bios play him with Torreira Torreira has been terrible Torreira's cooked Torreira's had the worst Torreira's season Torreira's been of... terrible yeah you play you play Sabios with a player who is willing to do the dirty work. You play him alongside a Thomas Barter. You play him yep. alongside a Fernandinho. I said so this in my Toby review and I, of the season. 
Toby and I were saying that if right now, based on the players that we've got that we watched, yeah, uh, and and I know I have a massive erection for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Like I get that. My ere- erection for Ainsley Maitland-Niles is almost as big as like Richard Butler's erection for Xhaka. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's a he's got a massive hard on for him. It's huge, right? But, <laughs> but. I think that if you played a, a midfield three, and let's say that we did bring in, let's say that we did bring in party, let's just say it happens. A midfield three um, of, of Ainsley Maitland Niles down the left in a midfield three with party in the middle and Sabios on the right. Or I even put this up the other day and someone was like, no, you play Sabios in the middle. He actually likes being a little bit deeper and he makes his challenges. I'm not really fussed regardless. But a midfield three, mm. you go and put all that power and all that running and all that speed of thought. Toby and I were saying the, the funny thing is, is Sabios is slow, as in his legs are yeah. slow, but the football moves quickly. Right? It he, does. He, he's, he, he, he zips does. the ball around with Cruyff turns and dips and little cutbacks. And I don't think that he has a, a great deal of pace moving forward. But no, he doesn't. He's slow as hell. Uh, physically, physically so he doesn't. That, that's the thing, right? And Cazola and was the same way where, you know, his physical stature was not one you would expect of a footballer, but his brain was, you know, 10 times quicker than anybody else on the pitch because he knew what he was doing. With Ceballos, he's physically a lot bigger, but, you know, he's, I'd say, very weak and slow, but up here, he has it. He mm. knows when to turn. He can pick it up in tight areas, spin it. He did it against Watford. He did it against Watford where they played the ball into him and Watford were pressing him and just one drop of the shoulder, he beats two players and he's off, right? So he is in midfield what you would want from a number eight, Right? You need to play somebody alongside him who's going to do the dirty work. Mm. So Bios is the guy who gets the ball to the creator, right? Or he's the pre-assister. That's who he is. But at the same time, he can do the dirty work in the midfield. He can tackle. He can intercept. He can, you know, do the dirty work, which is interesting. And it gives you another dimension in midfield. Mm. So and, I thought he and was pairing him up with people with power, pairing him up with people yeah. with power. I was on the the Guns and Yellow Ribbons preview. It was about half an hour before the game kicked off, and I was talking mm. about I was talking about sides and combinations. So I was saying uh, initially, because I was saying yeah. play, AM, I was saying play AMN down the right, and I was saying because then you get all of that world from AMN being able to go beyond Pepe, AMN being able to interchange with Ceballos, and then that right-hand side gets looked after by AMN, Ceballos, and Pepe. And all of a sudden, Mm. the physicality that AMN brings makes up for the lack of physicality that Pepe has. And again, in this game, I found that when (sighs) you take Hector Hector Bellerin, who isn't particularly physical, and I thought other than that wonderful burst through the middle, I thought he had a pretty fucking poor game. Not bad, mm-hmm. but he was another passenger for me. I, I didn't look at him and think, oh, you just owned that position. Or I didn't think he was particularly good defensively, particularly good offensively without ever being bad or offending me in any way by being on the pitch. So just mm. a bit. Ve- and I feel like we're riddled 
in general with this team, absolutely riddled with players who inoffensive players who kind of mm. do enough that you you don't really notice them, but they never do anything special. But mm. that physicality and that power that comes in when you start playing players like Maitland Niles and how that allows them to like you look at the way that Maitland Niles rides challenges. So people go barging yeah. into Maitland Niles and his ass and his shoulders just go, get the fuck away from me. Like people just bounce mm. off him. You know, it's kind of like the thing that people like about Kalasanak, except Ainsley Maitland Niles is a football and not a fucking rugby playing street fighter whose secret weapon is a shoulder charge. Zangief. Do you know who Xhaka oh, is? Sorry, bro. He's fucking Zangief out of Street Fighter. <laughs> Nah, man, Zangief was a uh, Zangief was fucking, you know, in the new Street Fighter days, he was a fucking nightmare to deal with. He was such a nightmare to deal. So I told you, I've got UFC in the background, man, and there's been a knockdown in this fight, bro. It's 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 a battle, man. It's a three round battle, and Bobby Green's re- is winning at the minute. Um, what the fuck is the point we're trying to make? Sorry, bro. I'm I don't just know. Like, I don't know. We were kind of talking about Bellerin and seven out of ten players. We've concentrated Bellerin, on the. Get- Okay, Bellerin. I was I was saying this time because I was watching it with my brother and with my brothers and, and my nephew. Right, Bellerin. He irritated me in this game in 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 the sense that, you know, physically he was just he's so no lightweight, mm. Max. He's so lightweight, and he's not a natural runner. So when he runs, it looks super awkward. Um, I felt that. You know, he was just being caught out, and he just—it just doesn't. I wasn't happy with with his performance. I would his burst was great because if he doesn't do that burst, we don't score the yeah. goal. But overall, as a performance, ah, there was something that was missing. There was something that just wasn't there in terms of Pepe, though. That was his best performance in an Arsenal shirt. Or there was some rocks and and diamonds in there. He was terrible for the first 20 minutes. Oh, my God. I wanted to to strangle the fuck out of him. The second he feels contact, like people give Genduzi shit for being floppy. And I'm like, just fight for it. And then later on the game, he goes and fights for a ball in the box and hip and shoulders someone and gets the ball off them. And I'm like, so you can do it, you know. He his can't, goal, you know his disallowed goal, his disallowed goal Ooh. would have been one of the greatest FA Cup goals I've ever seen. Absolutely spanked. You know what it is, Mike? Fight. You know what it is? You know what it is, right? Is that you remember the Liverpool performance, right? Where he wasn't on the right-hand side, where he was kind of central, right? Mm. And he gave Van Dijk a run for his money. It was the same thing in this game. When he came off that right-hand side, he was lethal because they didn't know what to do with him, right? Yeah. I remember him playing a ball in behind for for Maitland Niles. Once he came into the middle, it was a different dimension from from Pepe. His work rate, right? We have to talk about his work rate where he's been doing it in bursts. This was mm. where he put in a ninety minute performance where defensively yeah. and offensively he was switched on. It took a while to get there. There were some rough patches in there, but. All in all, in terms of a complete performance, for me, this is, was a performance from him that I enjoyed because there was more to it. It wasn't just, you know, I'm going to take on the fullback and I'm going to cross it in or I'm going to do that. There was a couple of instances where he took the ball on and on his right-hand side and got crosses in, you know. 
which he hasn't been doing. I enjoyed this performance from from Pepe. There's a lot more to come, but if you want to get the best out of Pepe, you cannot have a better in back there, bro. No, but that's you what I was saying earlier on about why Pepe always looks better when AMN plays there, and it's it's twofold yeah, yeah. because AMN goes beyond him, which then creates a threat outside because you know Pepe's going to come inside. So then all of a sudden it puts defenders mm. in two minds. Do I follow Pepe inside or do I go with the runner outside? Yeah. AMN's physicality makes up for a lack of Pepe's physicality, but also because AMN can get up and down that channel that Bellerin can't, it means that Pepe can mm. float more inside. It stops him needing to get chalk on his boots. He's not a fucking winger. He's an inside forward. No, he's an he inside is forward, most deadly sure. when he's attacking the penalty box from out to in. That's his best finish. Ball across the face, yeah. out to in, left boot, fucking spanked, see you later, fucking through the nun's vagina, explosions. (laughs) (laughs) By through the nun's vagina, I mean into the thinnest slot possible. It would be it would be remiss of us. It would be remiss of us, you know, as as we're talking about positive performance. Obviously, Sabios very positive. I think Pepe overall positive. I think obviously the Obamian conversation. I might save that a bit because that's a whole that conversation is going to go into a whole. Part. Yeah. Yeah. Lacazette was fucking awful. Oh awful. my god! Thank you. You know what really pissed me off about Lacazette is that why the fuck can't you run him, bruv? Why aren't you running, right? The game is there for you. Run. Do something. Where is your hold-up play? Where is your hunger to be that link-up man, that for me? Where's your, where's your touch? He's, where's your pass? Where's where your is touch? your where's touch? Your like, his oh, touch is he frust- Dude, he frustrated the life out of me. But if we were doing if we were doing three two ones and then one two threes, he would be my minus three. He mm, frustrated the fuck out of me. Mine too. He, you, you know what really irritated me was the fact that nothing was sticking to him, right? And it seemed that he didn't care that it wasn't sticking to him. Again, his attitude stunk. Here's the, here's the thing about me, right? Is that you can have a disgusting game, but if you put in the effort. I will give you a fucking pause. Lacazette's attitude this season has stunk. It has absolutely stunk. It was, it was slow. It was slow, Max. Mm. It was disinterested. Toby it and I were saying. Just, Toby uh, and I were saying he's a physical player who isn't physical enough to dominate, but he's not unphysical. He's not slow, uh, but he's not fast enough to get in behind. The thing that's uh, pissed me off most with him about this season is his unwillingness to fight over a bone. It, it's like uh, it, it, as soon as there's a 50-50, he's never on the, on the uh, north side of that 50-50. He's always getting done in that 50-50. And then he just sits on uh, his ass and is like, oh, Soccer les bleus. It's like I've been, it's like I've been done. Oh, I'm going to move. It's like I'll throw my hands. It's very, up. it's very, very. You know, I didn't. We didn't see this last season. You know, we didn't see this last season, and um, 
it's it's if we can cash in on this dude and, and bring in a little bit of coin, I would say do it mm-hmm. because he's he's not a Firmino, right? Which we we want him to be, but he's not. And his attitude is just isn't there for me. No, I, I think he looks like you a could... guy. Uh, looks like guy doesn't want to be there, or looks like a guy who thinks that he made maybe the wrong choice. Or I've said in the past, I think he's a guy who got bought in to be the main man. Unai coddled him and almost made him yeah. still feel like he was the main man. He was picking him at centre forward, pushing Aubameyang out wide, and then as soon as that friendship, you know, which was fantastic for the club. Uh, as soon as Aubameyang became the main guy and Lacazette slipped back into obscurity, I don't think he handled that really well. And I think he looks to me like the type of personality who would be better being a big fish in a small pond and being the fucking yeah. main guy. That, that's, that's just that's just what that's just what I think about him. But that's pretty much all the like all all the all the negatives out of the way. If I had to pick three Get negative, negative players, way, if I had to pick three negative players, it would have been Holding, who I thought got rinsed all game. We didn't really talk oh, about him. He, he, got, he got rinsed. He got too. rinsed by Pulisic. He got yeah. rinsed. By then he got rinsed by Pedro. Rinsed by Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> so he would have been in my negatives. Bro, Jacka, I'm so hungry, my bad. would have been in my negatives. Um, and Lacazette would have been in my negatives. On to on to positive performances because yeah. we won we won an FA Cup. I just think it's um it, we didn't. I'm I'm trying to work out why I, I I still feel some not negativity. Obviously, we've won an FA Cup and I'm pumped about it and it's it's fantastic for us and and fantastic for the guys to get up. But I think that there is still an element of I, I kind of felt like Chelsea lost that more than we. Won it in a sense, if that nah, makes sense. Um, um, I don't know. I'll tell you why we won it. I'll tell you why we won it when I can when I can get some food together because I'm so hungry. Um, this is what this is what drinking alcohol does to me, bro. It makes me really hungry. Um, what I'll tell you why does to me. Yo, I got edibles in here. You know. Oh, hold on. Oh, that's good. That's useful for me. Are you going to put them in a fucking Uber and send them to Australia? <laughs> Dude, I totally would. We should, ti- we, should, right? we should time this once. We should time this, right? And you mail me some edibles and then we'll, so like, dump, them, these, we'll these, dump them at the these, same time these on the podcast. Things, right. These things, these things are fucking lethal, bro. They're, they're terrible. I'll tell you that now, man. They're terrible. They knock me the fuck out. Give me a headache in the morning, bro. It's mad. Um, um, but let's what was talk the question about, again? No, I was just sort of saying, you know, let's talk about, let's move on to, like, the, the, the real the real positives <gasps> in the room. And we've mentioned Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yeah. We've mentioned Ceballos. Uh, Emmy Martinez, absolutely yeah. massive again, dominated his area. And I do want to have a, I, I do want to have a chat about that once we finish kind of wrapping this up. Um, but the main man yeah. at the top of the pitch, the two finishes from Aubameyang, the penalty is absolute yeah. ice, ice in the veins, side netting, spanked, cunted, fucking destroyed, through the nun slit. You, you can't mm-hmm. put a penalty any better other than it maybe being slightly at savable height. You're hitting a ball that hard and, and you're <laughs> smashing it into the side netting, mate. Not many fuckers are going to save that unless they go super early. The second finish, though, is the one that excites me. 
The second finish excited me so much because that's one of those finishes that I often think that Aubameyang is going to miss, right? Maybe a little bit too much time on it, you know, and he, he takes the ball across the dink, everything about it, the execution, the first touch. And I will say now, I will say publicly now, that if you go and win an FA Cup for a team and you nearly get golden boot, scoring 21 goals in the premiership, I had been of the opinion that the money that we were offering him was going to be too much. But honestly, once you go and start throwing in the fact that he almost goes and single-handedly wins us that FA Cup, he draws the penalty, he smashes the penalty goal in, and he plays the dink. I pretty much, I, I could sign him. I could sign him and I could give him the 250. And I was reading the other day that the Barca offer wouldn't exceed 175. And yep. the Juventus offer wouldn't exceed 150, wouldn't exceed oh. what he was currently on. Let me tell you about both clubs. Sorry. Um, Barcelona haven't got any fucking money. And Barcelona doesn't have to business, man. They got rid of Arthur and they got freaking Pjanic, bruv. It's ridiculous. With Aubameyang... It's a question of exactly what does he want? Because to me, he seems content. To me, he seems happy. To me, he seems like he's found a home. Like you, bro. Like you. And he was pivotal in in the FA Cup. But Max, this is, we were in agreement when we said that 250 came out for, what was it, two years? What was it, three years? I don't know. I think it was three. I think it was two fifty for two years or three. It was a two-year extension and a bump whatever up, it was, and a bump up for the last year of his contract. So it was three years total, but he would get bumped up yeah. for his two fifty for the last year of this contract. Yeah, you know what? When I look at him, right? Either way, Aubameyang stays because he's got a year left, right? And if I was the club, if he doesn't sign, I'll still say, I'll still say to him, "Well, we're going to keep you for a year." Right, but with what he's done, because the hardest thing to do is score goals, Max. We both know it. What he's done 70 goals in what 108 or 109 games that is not to be scoffed at. Four goals in you know a semi final and a final. Mm. Is not to be scoffed at, mm. and talk about some people say that you know Aubameyang is not a big game player. Well, in the semi final and a final, he showed you that he's a fucking big game player. You yeah, know has what he I mean? scored six goals in? Is it six goals in three games? That three doubles in a row? Yep. That's, that's like, yep. Two doubles. It's not a lot. It's not a lot of not two a lot of players. Doubles. Not a lot of players who 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 run into run into form like that at the end of a season, yep. carrying a team like we did speak about this, like it was not a faultless performance from Arsenal. We did get dominated in the first 20 minutes. Uh-huh. The midfield looked poor again. Holding had a poor game. You know, that to it's one right. thing to go and stand there on the top. It's one thing to go and, and be at the top of a dominant team like a Liverpool or like a like a um and Manchester City and bang in your goals when when yeah. when there are other people contributing around you. But when it is so heavily weighted, so heavily weighted towards one guy, 
and there's so much pressure around yeah. that guy to then continue to produce it. Mm-hmm. And he is a rocks and diamonds player at times. And we'll see that when we do the, the end of season show next week. You'll see that in the amount yeah. of negative points that he got throughout the entire season. Because essentially, if he's not scoring, yeah. he does do very little. He is a pure finisher. But I'm really, I am quite of the opinion now that I, I, I think I want to retract what I said. At the time of when that contract was offered, I don't think mm. that he was playing particularly well. I, I think I was still of the opinion that he was kind of... He wasn't. He, he had one foot out the door and I was saying, look, you know, he's a good finisher. I, I didn't think 250 plus the add-ons, which I think worked out to be that it could end up going as high as like 325 a week with performance add-ons, goal-scored add-ons, yeah. appearance add-ons. After this semi-final and cup final, it's almost like he has played himself into that contract for me. And I don't, you know me, I don't flip flop easily. I don't tend to look at individual performances and change my opinions on players based on individual performances. Like I won't look at a month of Granite Jacker being slightly less shit and decide all of a sudden his cock grew an extra six inches and he's now fucking Dirk Diggler, right? But (laughs) I will say that if... I will say that for a striker who is looking at getting a bump up in his contract Mm -hmm. as an over 30-year-old, the only thing you could do to guarantee yourself that contract is come out and score, come out and essentially win the semi-final and then go out and win the final on top of it. I don't don't know what Mm -hmm. more you could do. I I just really do feel like my opinion has changed and I'm looking at it now and I'm saying, okay, if it's a two-year contract... And it ends up costing us what it costs us. I don't think that we can go and get those goals. And I've come around to the idea as well that the fact that we have to re- replace Lacazette, as in we have to replace Lacazette, yeah. is fucking shit. I don't think that you could mm-hmm. replace Lacazette and Aubameyang at once. I think it would be much easier to retain Aubameyang and try and actually get in that more Firmino-style player who's going to link and help to provide more assists instead of then looking at it and saying, okay, well, do we now go after a goal-scoring number nine and put Saka or Martinelli out on the wing? I just think that we're probably a three-year transition period at the moment, and maybe that money invested now Mm. might make more sense in the long term. But, okay, stop talking. Yeah, I'm rabbiting. Oh, you can talk, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, you can talk. Um. Aubameyang has put himself into his contract, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because when we needed him, you know, in the semi-final when we needed goals, in the final when we needed goals, you know, even against Watford, you know, he scored two and assisted the other one. But with Aubameyang is the fact that he's come into the club and he's been doing that from the get-go. He's been doing that from the moment he came into this club. It's been goals, goals, and more goals. He got into double figures and what his first game for us was in the was in February. Then he got into double figures in the league. Which goes to show you who this guy is. He has scored vital goals. Right? And as as Steve as Steve just said, as Steve has just said, North London Derby, away at United, against City, against Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's mainly the haters that say he's not a big game player. 
and stupid pun dicks, as Scunny would say. <laughs> but what he did today was that. <laughs> but what he did today was show you exactly who he is. And that's if you give me the ball in the right area, I'm going to do what I do best, and that's score goals. He's more been often, doing yes. this more often than not. Five, six seasons in a row. Mm. For five, six seasons in a row, this guy has scored 20 plus goals. He guarantees you goals. Even in a team that is not creating, his best seasons were at Dortmund when he had Usman Dembele giving him balls into the box and he was tapping them in week in, week out. Mm. He has had to transform who he is to play left wing. Right. He also scores a lot and better he's still goals, scoring those goals than what he scored for Dortmund. Yes. Because when you go through his 100 yes. goals at Dortmund, a lot of them were back post tappings. He has scored better goals yep. for Arsenal more regularly. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh, I want to see him play through the middle, I want to see him play through the middle, that's all well and good. But what you get from somebody who plays in the middle for us is not what, what Aubameyang is able to give you. Mm. Aubameyang is not going to drop into midfield. He hasn't got the touch or the guile to play that, you know, that pseudo number ten position. Or the appetite, or the He's appetite for the work. Yeah. Or look at Eddie. Exactly. Look at Eddie when he comes on. Right. Eddie is not a better. Eddie is not technically better than Lacazette. Lacazette mm -hmm. at his best and Nketiah at his best. There is a golfing quality between them. Yeah. But what Nketiah does 100%. is he halt. He holds the shape. He's more than happy to make just run after run after run that are going nowhere because he knows that it will hold the shape. Aubameyang isn't going yeah. to do that. The conversation about Aubameyang out of the middle is dead. And I'll tell you what, if you go back to the first podcast of the first season, the first podcast at the start of the season from Arsenal Vision, Clive, who I yeah. love, I, can, I consider Clive to be one of the smartest men in football. Clive said yeah. back then... He's the guru, the space, He's a guru, isn't he? He said back then, yeah, the man. space isn't through the middle. The space doesn't exist there anymore. The space drops in the channels floating inside and outside. Right? Yeah. You either make runs out to an or you make runs into out. As a central striker now, the modern central striker is more of a... is more of a Firmino. Look at Giroud. I mean, we got rid of mm -hmm. Giroud to bring in someone like Lacazette to then change our system when Arteta came in and all stand there and go, you know who'd suit the system? Giroud. Giroud would suit the system because he'd play his little flicks and he'd bring the ball down and he's got 15 goals in him and he has a pass in him. And then you look at Lacazette yeah. and you're like, well, I don't see, like, you know how everyone used to be like, Lacazette and Aubameyang are such a great partnership? I don't know what the stats They're are, not. but those fuckers do not play balls for each other. They're not assisting each other at a rapid fucking rate. Like, that doesn't work. Um, Max, but to just do you know what Lacazette? Do you know what Lacazette and Aubameyang is? Right, Bumble. it's a great idea in theory. That's what it is. Lacazette and Aubameyang together is a great idea in theory. When you put it into practice, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You know, so let's get that out of people's heads. But us moving forward, right? He's like Aubameyang. Either way, you keep him, right? You keep him even if it means losing losing him for free next summer. You keep him because what he guarantees, Max, is what we lack. Goals. 
But if, if but if he if I, I don't think we'll be able to keep him because I think what ends up happening is if you keep him and don't extend him, you end up upsetting mm-hmm. him. So therefore, he's not happy. He doesn't want to lead the team and he doesn't want to take that load on Max, his back. Max, does that guy look like he's unhappy? Does that guy look no, like no, he's no, unhappy? No, Genuinely, I, I, I don't think he looks like he's unhappy. But I do think that this this is honestly what I think. I think that Bamiang has looked at it and he said, "Look, I'm 31." I'm happy where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to get the top money, like the world-class money, the yep. top, top money, or I'm going to go somewhere and try and win something because it's either – I don't think he can have both. If he goes overseas, <coughs> there's no money over there. There isn't the Premier League money there for him. And if he stays with us, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing that I, I do think that Aubameyang believes in, and I, I think he's someone who believes in legendary status, the idea of a statue – and I'll tell you one thing that's really that I found really interesting. I said to Toby at the end of the podcast, they were doing a pan across all of the FA Cups. And did you notice they yep. put like the most brilliant face behind each one? Right. So there was like a Ray Arla, there was a Patrick Vieira, there was a Mikel Arteta, there was a Per Mertesacker, there was an Aaron mm-hmm. Ramsey. And I was saying on the next one, there'll be a big dirty face of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And I think he cares mm-hmm. about that stuff. I think he cares about that, yeah. that legendary status. And if he goes to another mm-hmm. club now at 31, and if he goes to a Barcelona, or if he goes to a Real, yeah. he will ne- he'll never be a legend. But if he stays at Arsenal and rebuilds us and even puts us back into the Champions League, I think you're looking at the next player to take that mantle. A lot of people thought that was Aaron Ramsey. I always disagreed with that, that he was the next Arsenal legend. Uh, but despite obviously FA Cup goals and people complain about people will complain to me and say I'm a fucking idiot, but everyone knows my sentiments with Ramsey. But I do think that we haven't had a player who was the next person to take that legendary status for quite a long time. Mm. Obamiang with this performance almost solidifies it for me. He does. He does because of because of the way that it came about, bro. Yeah. Because of that penalty. Right, he was so sure and so confident with it, right? And then the second goal, where you expect him to take it on his right, but it's mm-hmm. the way he takes that goal with so much confidence. It's like he knew as soon as I hit this, it's going in, right? It's going in. So He's is he reaching? He's reaching, you know, legendary status because of what he's doing, Max. Because of what he's doing. Stop saying fuck Alexis, Max. I'm gonna get... <laughs> stop saying that. Fuck Alexis. He's a stop it. Stop he's saying. Never going to be Alexis an Arsenal. Never going to be an Arsenal legend. Alexis was great for us. Leave it. Why are we doing this? What? Finish your point. You this doing this, Max. Steve. Steve fucking baited me. <sighs> And you right fell on, for Steve. it. Right on, Steve. And you fell for it. <laughs> Alexis was great for us. You can say whatever you want to say about him. We're not talking great, about bro. Alexis anymore. Um, Legendary well, status. You put him up here, bro. Legendary, Legendary status. status he, he's. If he stays and he maintains his form, he will be a legend at this club. Yeah, he'll, he'll be the next one That's to be on the banners. I don't know that he'll be yeah. a statue player. He could be a statue player. I don't know no. that he would be the next one. 
But he's definitely going to be. I don't be think that he'll be in... that. No, no, no. I don't think he'll be a statue player, but in terms of you know his contribution on the pitch, he will have legendary status. I don't. He's think already. He can be he's a... already got cult hero status. Yeah, he's already got. I tell you, I tell you something interesting. So I'm watching on Zoom, and Toby's got his little boy Hugo with him, right? And that kid never takes off his Arsenal kit. Goes to bed. I mean, full Arsenal kit, socks, shorts, top. Yeah, right? yes. Toby's done well. Never, never takes it out, right? Oh, sorry, never takes off, never takes that. He shouldn't take it out in public. I've taught him that. Keep a dick in your, <laughs> keep a dick in your pants, you get in trouble. Don't be like Uncle Max. But <laughs> I really like that the thing he was interested in, so the reason why he, <laughs> the reason why he loves football so much is because of Flipman, right? He calls him oh, Flipman. Okay. Right? And I'm, yeah. I'm just sort of talking about, you know, a, from a, a, a social perspective and getting people to watch a football club that you need these personalities in a football club. You can't have a football club where the person who they've most got to get excited about is Alexander Lacazette, the fucking cryface cunt, right? It, it, it's, <laughs> you, you need, you need players like Aubameyang. You need players like Henri, Van Persie to an extent, even at a buy-off for, you know, the season when he knocked in his, his 29 goals or 30 goals, something like that. You hey, need these, yeah, yeah. yeah, you need these players who excite you, who get you turning on the TV and you know are going to score goals. And I think there's been a thing at Arsenal where because we had so many like lightweight, pretty players for a long time, a lot of our fan base, myself included, started going away from that and wanting to see hard work. And I want to go sign Lewis Dunks and you know all these people. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. But you do require Pepe's in your team and you do require Aubameyang's in your team to be able to actually get you excited and, and get the game ice. Oh. Now, if Pepe's goal goes in, he almost... <laughs> if, if, if Pepe's Boy. goal goes in, not goes in because he smashed it in, he smashed it straight through the nun's vagina, through the Ooh. thinnest, tightest slip he could. Right? <laughs> Stop saying I'm <laughs> calling it that bad. <laughs> Stop calling it that. But like finishes like <laughs> finishes like Stop that are, finishes like that are what start people on the path of becoming Arsenal legends and people getting excited about them. And what I'm saying is, you know, those two finishes from Obama Yang, I'm not yeah. saying that he hadn't scored amazing goals for us. I'm not saying that he hadn't scored important goals for us. But to score a it's break the stage. in a cup it's final stage, on that bro. stage, yeah. that's it, it puts the icing on the cake. It's like no one can ever, ever say anything anymore about me not performing in big games. No one can ever say now that I am not a footnote in Arsenal history. It's a 14th FA Cup. Be, how, how? How can you not? How can you? How can you doubt this dude? Because of he's done it in a terrible team, Max. In a terrible team. He's That's done I mean. it, and he's been doing, and he's been doing it. The minute he got here, do you know bro, why? Even I his think brace, he... even his brace in the semi-final against Valencia, bro. Right? No, mm. it was a hat trick. It was a hat trick. So he's been doing this, right? And he's come in, like I said, got into double figures in half a season, and yeah. he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. It's the opposite still... of. No, go, go, oh. sorry, finish. No, I was just going to say, I it's still... the op... <laughs> Fucking finish, you can't. I still, you know, believe that he's still... He isn't going to get the recognition that he deserves. And that's fine. As long as he keeps doing what he does. 
I think it's a different position there than where we were with Adebayo and with the Van Persies and with the Najris where he seems like he's happy here. Do you mm. see what I mean? He seems like he's happy here. He seems like yeah. he's found his He's played club. in one of the worst... He's played in the worst Arsenal team that I have ever seen. Yep. And I, I mean, no one can deny that. People can, say that see, people can say that the Senjuros and Juru... You know, fucking oh, Shamax, Ali Adiers, like that. That was a bad team, but that team still managed to get top four. You know, this is he has played in the. It, it may not have the worst players in this team, but he's played in a team that has been constructed of the most odd parts to Frankenstein a team, and that's what Arsenal are. They're a Frankenstein team where none of the pieces yeah. have really been purchased to make a cohesive puzzle. What I was going to say to you before is Aubameyang is almost the anti-Aguero. Because there's a constant conversation around about how Aguero isn't, he, he is like top three for every stat, right? He, oh. he should be considered to be one of the greatest players in the Premier League era, but he doesn't get the plaudits. And I think the reason why he doesn't get the plaudits is because he played for City. And I think that there's, right. an, overarch, there's an overarching idea that if you have that much buying power, and if you are spending money at that rate and bringing in the best and constantly having the best, you have the best midfielders around you and the Kevin De Bruyne's and the Silvers and everyone that preceded them that fed Aguero and all he had mm. to do was just his job. I think that's why in some ways it takes the sheen off Aguero. Whereas with Aubameyang, right. it's almost the opposite of that. He's almost been elevated to this higher level of legendary status because he's not getting the ball from David Silva and he's not getting the ball from nope. De Bruyne or Sane Imagine if or Sterling. Was. You know, he's not even really, he's getting the ball from 19 year olds on the wings and bit part players like AMN who can't even get into the team in the position they want and Jackers and guys on fucking loan. And he's still managed to do it. And now on the biggest stage possible, he stood up and not just scored two goals, but cunted one right through the nun's slid, and then gone and dinked one over the keeper. How good is the nun's slid? <laughs> I'm, calling this I'm calling this podcast the nun's slid. Oh, listen. <laughs> this, is why I, this is why I wanted to get all of the negative stuff out of the way first so that we could spend you know, yeah. half an hour waxing lyrical about, about this guy and about the level that he is above everyone. Aubameyang. <sighs> first of all, what do, you think of, what do you think of my Aguero comment? Do you think that that's, that's accurate and that that does help to elevate Aubameyang it because may he's be, played it may such be, a crap team? It may be accurate. But Aguero has done it consistently as well, right? He's done it consistently as well. So you have to give credit to somebody who is consistent, you know? Mm. Um, even if you've got David Silva, just because you've got David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and all those guys behind you, it wouldn't make Yaya Sanogo any better. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't make him. It would. It wouldn't make him any better, right? Yaya, because Yaya Sanogo is just shit, right? And Aguero has done it consistently at a top level, consistently, mm. consistently. I'm not. I'm not taking anything time. away. From, I'm not taking anything I, away I, I, from Aguero. But I get. But I get what you're saying. But I get what you're saying in this in the sense of you know it's the team that he was in. You know he didn't ask mm. to be in this team. City came after him at the end of the day. He still no. had to perform. 
you know. So, but in terms of what Aubameyang has has done and what he is doing, is he is doing what comes natural to him. He's doing what comes natural to him, and he is somebody who has proved exactly who he is and what he is because in this ridiculously poor team, he's still banging in the goals. And that does elevate him to a certain level to us. To everybody else, they're still going to have an asterisk you know, next to his name. But for us and what he's done, today's performance and that brace... Bruv, if that doesn't take him, if that doesn't make him recognised for being the best striker in the Premier League at the minute, it's not a Jamie Vardy. He's definitely mm. not fucking Danny Ings. Yeah. But for what he has done, 70 goals since he came into this Premier League. All right? 70 goals. The most out of everybody. It shouldn't be scoffed at, but it will because of who he plays in front of. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But for us, he's pivotal, bruv. He's pivotal. And it's crazy that we're saying this about a 31-year-old striker, bro. But if we want to rebuild, our rebuild starts with making sure that he's tied down. And he makes our rebuild for the next two years a lot easier than, than you know, if he was to leave, bro. I'll say that. Yeah. And the, the, what the, the final thing that sort of made me come around to this as well. So going yeah. into transfers and trying to entice people to come into a club. The fact that we don't have Champions League football, but the fact that we do yeah. have this guy that people may want to come and play with, I, I almost think now that... And like I said, this is a big backflip for me because I publicly came out and said uh, however many months ago that I thought that it was too much money and it was time to move on and that we should reinvest. And at that stage, I don't think that he was in great form and I thought oh, that he oh, had, hold on, hold on, had, hold had on, his Max. head turned a hold little on, bit. Max. Hold on, Max. Sorry for a second, man. Can I reply to Steve's comment? Fuck Mark Goldbridge. Who's Mark Fuck Goldbridge? Mark Goldbridge. He is a skinny little weasel from fucking United Stand. Fuck Mark Goldbridge. Right? Fuck that guy. You know what I mean? He's a he, his face, Max. You just want to elbow him. You just want to elbow him in the fucking mouth, bro. You you look him up. He's a he was watching the game today and he turned it off because of Anthony Taylor. But he's the same guy who's been talking shit about Pepe and saying we were out the minute that we drew City. Fuck Mark Goldbridge. I'm telling you, he's a guy. He's like, uh, who's that guy that used to who appear on AFTV? That dickhead. Um, his name was Chris. Some ginger dude. He was fucking awful. Mark Goldbridge is that guy. He's a weasel, bro. He's a, did you ever watch Recess? When you were younger, he's Randall. He's the snitch. He's a sniveling little snitch, bro. Fuck Mark Goldbridge. Fuck that guy. Sorry, bro. Continue your point, but I had to get that in there. Fuck Mark Goldbridge, bro. <laughs> That's not my even point, his name. My 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 point, you know, that I think I've made like three <laughs> times over now is that I have changed. That I have really heavily changed my tune. But this is the icing that has yeah. made me change my tune. And I think that it's really important for the I think it's really important for the the club now. Especially now that we have so many youth prospects as well. Like I for us to be able to retain they need somebody those to youth look prospects, up to. yeah, they, they have to feel that he's there. And he may not be a, a leader on the pitch as far as someone who goes and says something or is a Tony Adams or is a 
you know, Keon or a Campbell or any of these guys. But when you're going and you're icing games and you're banging in goals, that's that's you leading the team. That's you leading the team to victory. Um, don't know what much else there is to to fucking talk about on the FA Cup. We've sort of Kieran covered everyone, Tierney, everyone dude. who is good. Oh, KT. Bruv, Kieran, Kieran Tierney. Make him captain, bro. Uh, if Oba's there, there next year, he'll be captain. Tierney needs to be made vice captain. Granite Shaka T- needs to be T- needs to be at the stake. Lots and lots of paper cuts, and then he needs to be covered in pickle juice. Man, actually, actually, there is there is one thing to speak about. Man, let's speak about let's speak about our, our coach, bruv. Let's speak about our coach, the guy who's been in the job for eight months. Eight months, bruv. Yeah, yeah. Eight months, and it's what he's done with this five team. months of playing football. <laughs> five months of playing football, right? And three months, yeah. and he caught COVID, right? Me and Arteta have something in common, bro. We've both we've both caught COVID, but um, what he's done in terms of instilling um, a winning, a sort of win, kind of a pseudo winning mentality with this team, in a sense that he's beaten the current European champions, he's beaten you know the former champions, the former league champions, he's beaten you know a decent. Chelsea side should have beaten Tottenham. Should have beaten Tottenham. Should have beaten. Should have beaten Tottenham. Should have beaten Leicester. He essentially could have gone and cleared the top six teams, and we beat Wolves. He essentially came in and, and has done Wolves. or should have done all of them. If he had won those two games, I think he, he, the the fucking take down the curtain. The show's over. Everyone fucking bow. Curtsy. Give him. You know what? You know what, Max? Right? You you know what? It's this has been bubbling under the surface in the sense that he's come in, he's made his stance clear, he's made, you know, he's let us know exactly what needs to be done. This was a message from Arteta to the board. This was a straight, unequivocal message to the board telling them, listen, I've given you something that you haven't had in three years, right? I've given you a trophy in my first eight months in a fucking professional job. Mm. You said I am your man. I have given you proof that I can do it with a terrible squad. Now give me the backing that I deserve. Get me the players that I need and you will see what I can do with them. We need to, and the people who said Arteta out, I would like to uh I would like to order the biggest fucking dildo I could find and shove it right down your throats. Even that just just down your throats, bro. And just you know, just keep it there. You know what I mean? Just keep it there for the sense that, for the fact that you're calling our tetra after what? Eight months and a terrible team, an unbalanced team. And yet somehow he's getting performances out of Maitland House. Somehow he's getting performances out of David Luiz, out of, you know, Xhaka, as shit as he is. And he's instilled a belief that wasn't there in Baku, bro. Well, something that he's it done is he has, something that he's done is he has mitigated the flaws of those players. 
I was explaining this to someone the other day. Uh, mentally. He, he, yeah, he hasn't necessarily made them better, but he's created systems, put them in roles where they are less likely, like Mustafi is less likely to go Mustafi in this role. Xhaka, when he's right. sat deeper and everything is in front of him, he doesn't get run past as much. So for a period of games where we were playing very, very passive against big teams and then them come on to us, of course Xhaka looks better. He's not turning around and running in the other direction, taking fucking 45 minutes to perform an 18-point Austin Powers turn, going out to get fucking Orange <laughs> Sherbert. You know? <laughs> That's fucking Jacker turning. You know? Listen, so you know what? He has done incredibly you well in what? mitigating it's, the risks yeah. of those players. Yeah. You know, what the players who he hasn't been able to get more out of uh, that I've been surprised is that he has got nothing out of Lacazette. Nothing. As long as yeah. he's been there. It, it, in fact, almost the opposite he's got out of Lacazette. So whether he doesn't fancy him or, like I said, he didn't get coddled the same way that Unai coddled him and loved his balls. You know, um, but the way that he's brought us all together, the the, the way that... I think at the start someone said, oh, well, well, what do you call a successful season for Arteta? And I think someone said, well, it's got to be top four or a trophy. Well, he just got a trophy yeah. with a fucking shit team. Anyone, Max, Max, let me let me say this, man. Anybody who tells you that top four is more important than, uh, than winning the trophy, then you've completely misunderstood what football is all about. If you, as a footballer, retire and go, I didn't win any medals, but at least I got top four. What the mm. fuck does that say about you? Yeah, so I think for something. him to do think... it, and and oh, 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 let me say this right: Frank Lampard is the most fucking overrated coach in this league. He's the most overrated coach in this league, but people are sucking him off because he's Frank Lampard and because he's a young English manager. But the job that he's had to do has not been as intense and as immense as what Arteta's had to deal with, right? Fuck Frank Lampard. Let me just say that. Fuck Frank Lampard. <laughs> but no, fuck him. No, fuck him. Fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck fat Frank. Right? Fuck him. Um, but for what Arteta has done, and remember, Gary Neville said this group of players are uncoachable. He has made them coachable and he has gotten a tune out of them and he has gotten a trophy out of them. Mm. And I never, I didn't, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. But like I said, apart from those first twenty minutes when we were really under the cosh, Arteta goes, you know what? We have a threat here. Did you hear? Whenever Tini would get the ball, you would hear him say Ainsley. You would hear him bark and say Ainsley, 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 because that's where the threat was. Mm. Constantly, 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 that's where the threat was, and. It was from Tierney, get the ball in behind that side over and over and over again. He has got a tune out of these plays. He's got them playing and he's got them a trophy. He deserves to be backed and he deserves to get some serious credit. Because how many managers in their first ever jobs can say that they've won a trophy and caught COVID and defeated it? Mm. Not that many. I think it was that Back fucking, I think it was that fucking Lee Gunner twat. Really started the, oh. the, really started the Arteta out stuff early, saying, you know, I'll completely, I think it was like three weeks in, I'll completely overrated or, you know, apparently 
to all the people who said that we have to go get Mourinho or that we have to go get Ancelotti. <sighs> you know, it, we, we constantly slag off our board for making bad decisions, and I think we're well within our rights to slag the board off for making bad decisions. Right, but on this 100%. particular on this particular decision, I think they have been vindicated, and now the only way that they can further vindicate themselves is by now supplying him either with the funds, or if the funds aren't there, with the scouting talent and the recruitment to go and get the types of players that he needs, even if they're not the types of players for the end product. I was talking to someone about this the other day, saying there is an element of where Arsenal fans need to. St- get out of their heads that they think that the next batch of players that we buy are actually going to be the batch of players that make us a Champions League team. There may be a bridging. There there may be some players who come in over the next three years that get us back up towards that area. And then three years from now is when we might start buying those top, top players to be able to get ourselves back into being in the top echelon. And I do think that there's going to be a bridging period. And I do think that that bridging period, we spoke about this mid-season, might be some Mm. rough diamonds out of the French League, might be this lad out of Celtic at striker, not top, top players. Oh, Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm I'm, I'm not like, you know, people who are like, oh, well, let's bring in Timo Werner. I'm like, that will never fucking happen because why the fuck would he come to us when he has so many other offers? I was saying this the other day, you know, at the moment, there's an element of who posted up. Someone posted up in one of our groups. They're like, oh, I can't believe that we didn't sign Ake. And I wrote back and I said, so for for Ake, who's been playing at an average club for a long time, he's getting through his career. He's been at Bournemouth for a long time. If he was given the option of going and playing for the Arsenal or going and playing for City, which one is the shinier toy? Mm. Well, City is the shinier toy. Oh, City. So that's why, we, you know, either that or either that or City end up saying, and this is the thing about top teams and teams who win, they get people for unders. So they might pay him forty million, but I guarantee you Ake will be going there and playing for a hundred and hundred thousand pounds, you know, as a as a as an add-on player. If Arsenal wanted to go get mm-hmm. Ake and get Ake out of City, all of a sudden we've got him on one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. He's on fifty thousand pounds worth of overs. He's on a five-year contract instead of a three-year contract, and we get ass fucked in the fucking nun slit, in the back end of it, right in the tightest possible area. Right? Uh... So, <laughs> so there is an element of that. But I just wanted to I just I just wanted to fi- yeah. I just wanted to finish off the finish off the 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 this little bit of the podcast or, or finished off because we've been chatting for over an hour already. But the statement that you, me and Dan made at mid season so you, me, and Dan did. I th- I've mm-hmm. forgotten whether it was on a hot topic or whether it was just on a podcast where we were together, where we spoke about the fact that it would be beneficial, that it may be more beneficial for Arsenal not to be in the Europa League at all. Yeah. So that it put the pressure on the board to prove that this team could win nothing, which meant that then they would have mm. to be held to account for not putting the right players together. Do you think that after the wash of the joy of the FA Cup leaves, that there is an element there that it is a little bit dangerous that from 10th we have managed to stumble into the Europa League and this may hamstring the board in replacing some of the dead weight that we need to get rid of? I think, and you know what my big, my biggest worry is that for them this is good enough. 
my biggest worry with this board is that, well, you've done it with these awful players. You can do it again. Do I believe that's going to be the case? Well, we, we're just going to have to wait and see. My biggest thing is I feel like I feel like the board gave Arteta an ultimatum. I think it was a case of because, you know, Arteta's come out and he's, you know, put pressure on them. He's like, back me. You know, this is not good enough. We've beaten Liverpool, but it's still not good enough. Mm. I feel like with him winning this is a message to them. It's like, look, like I said before, look what I can do with little. Give me what I need and I can do something with it. But does that not make you fear that that little success is enough? That that, that remains it being a successful club? Mm. Of course, of course, of course it does. But there's something in the back of my mind that I don't think Arteta would allow the board to, to, to think that way. I think that Arteta will come out and he will still put pressure on the board because I think that's just who he is. I think that, you know, with Unai Emery, they got a manager who was going to toe the company line. With Arteta, he's not going to accept it because of where mm-hmm. he's come from and because of what he what he says and what he has said in the past. I think if they don't give him what he wants, he will put pressure on them again. And if they don't, you know, back him after that pressure, he will be gone because he's not come here to play games. And he said that from the very beginning. And he I hasn't come he here showed, to play and, games. And I think he showed them that he's willing to come out and speak against them in the media, which is something yep. that Wenger never did and something that Emery never did. I mean, Emery has chirped like a motherfucker since he left to the point where you're like, can't shut the fuck up, please. Right? He, but, he, he just needs, yeah. Emery just needs not to talk. Like, like Russell yeah, Brown saying in the up. comments. Just, but, just right, move on. Like Russell saying in the comments that make that, you know, Arteta has leverage. He definitely has leverage because it's a case of, I've given you something with the very little that you've given me when I got here. So now give me something to work with. Emery mm. never spoke against the board because he didn't have the language to speak against the board and because he was uh, he was Sinead's bum chump. You know, that, <laughs> that's why. He was his butt buddy, bruv. Right? So he didn't dare speak, speak against them. Whereas Arteta is a case of, I need to speak because I know where I want to go and I know where this club wants to go. He was asked, is, the, is, F, is, F, is an FA Cup and eighth, you know, uh, uh, a good season for us? So he said, no, this is not where this club is supposed to be. So he understands that this is not where we're supposed to be. I don't think mm. this board are going to be able to get this guy to be their puppet. He will speak out against them and he knows that, you know, if you're not going to back me, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to a club who's going to back me. You said I am your guy. You said you, you've been courting me, you know, before Emery. Prove it. And winning the FA Cup is the exact leverage that he needs. And, of course, he's got, like I said, he's got an Aubameyang who's scoring goals, which is even more leverage. So, and the players love him. You can see that mm. the players love him. No so, doubt. Yeah, bro. No doubt. Well, Manny, I mean, yeah. FA, Cup, FA Cup victory. Number fourteen up the Arsenal. 14, I mean, bro. a a glimmer, a glimmer of like a, a basically a cherry on top of a shit cake. Because basically, this season we've been served a shit cake. We've but been a, off. But, we've been terrible. But there's a really nice cherry put on top of it for us, and we're like, you know, pick up the cherry, wipe off the shit, 
It's a nice cherry. Yeah, it's a I'm nice not. Cherry. Yeah, I'm. I'm not eating. I'm not eating a shit covered cherry, bro. Like, I would. Like, I would, I would you, wipe bro. it. I would wipe it. Of course, it, of course, you you would it. eat it. I'm not doing that. I would wipe some of the shit off, you know, and I would just get on with it. But up the Arsenal, fucking great to chat to you. We've got one more podcast coming for you guys. We'll do it next week. It's our end of season. It's our end of season podcast. It's not going to be like the other end of season podcast where we're just talking about fucking ridiculous shit transfers that are never going to happen and all standing around the circle jerking each other off. Instead, it's going to be a statistical breakdown. So the stats don't lie. The three two ones and the one two threes have been calculated and put into a spreadsheet. Players of the month, players of the year, the most amount of points received for each of us, positive, negative, broken down between my player of the year, Manny's player of the year, Ryan's player of the year, Toby's player of the year, points per games, breaking it down the whole way. And yes, I would have done it last week, except I deleted the entire fucking spreadsheet and then had to spend three days re-entering it from 12 months of a messenger group. Uh, But it's going to be, it's actually written. It's actually really interesting. Uh, Toby and I were kind of looking at it together and there is some stuff that you can read out of it that that really is quite impactful and you start to see some of the trends and how people played across the year. So we're going to do that next next week and then we are fucking done. The Ars Brothers are done. We're not doing shit. We're doing no fucking transfer podcasts. We're not going to fucking suck on the cock of the fucking media for the next three months every time we're fucking linked with Aubameyang buying a new fucking goldfish. Nothing. You're going to hear nothing from us until the season starts and then we'll talk about the fucking signings. We'll see you later, pack of cunts. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>